Hello everybody and welcome to my brand new podcast. Music to live with Shanti, it's me, Shanti, a Swiss musicologist and stage manager, talking with different artists and discussing different topics belonging to the music business. This is one of those episodes I want to frame. I have the privilege of talking to someone who has been able to inspire me on how to approach the job of tour manager and being part of a band crew. My friend Mel, she always been very kind and open in giving serious and helpful opinions. And now she's sitting here with me, discussing how she's got in touch with the music scene she's working, her experiences, and how this scene can also be very hostile to different people, including women and the LGBTQ community. I learn a lot from this chat. So let's go! Check this out! Hello everybody and welcome to my brand new episode of Music to Live For with Shanti. Today I'm here with Mar- Mel Cleal, a good friend of mine, tour manager, and what can I say, I'll let Mel introduce herself. Uh, hey, um, so yeah, my, my name is Mel Cleal. Uh, I'm a tour manager and a sound engineer from originally Canada, currently I live in Berlin and I've uh, obviously been not working a lot in the last year and a half, and uh, I'm in Basel, Switzerland today because I actually did do some work for once. Yeah, and it was so nice that you told me that you were here. So we had the chance to to meet after a while and uh, to record in person because this is, I guess, you are the second guest I have the chance to record in person. Uh, that's cool. Because of different reasons. A lot of my friends living spread all over the world let's say and it's uh, also a pandemic and no one can travel right now right that's that's the other <laughs> the other reason and um, yeah that's nice so um why you are here in switzerland with which band are you are you working right now um for the last four years i've been working for zealand ardor that's based out of here in basel switzerland and we did two shows this weekend so when we do shows, it's like, well, we figure out what kind of staffing we need. And we're like, all right, I guess I got to come. So I showed up in, in Switzerland for the last five days. Yeah, you were telling me you were playing the mountains. Yeah, we played this uh, festival in Valais called uh, Pop Festival. And like, it's a multi-week, multi-genre festival that uh, kind of just happens throughout this entire area in, in Valais. And we played a, a thing called Rocklet, which they have a bunch of rock bands play at a thousand eight hundred meter elevation in a mountain valley, and it's kind of ridiculous because, like, when I did the advance for the show, they're like, "There's no stage. We just have a drum riser. There's there's no lights, no nothing. It's you play it like in the middle of the day. Like the concerts go from like one p.m. to, to six p.m. and that that's it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So." It was different and awkward, but cool. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the spirit of open doors to different kind of, uh, um, who can say new new ways of concept for concerts. In some ways, I mean the location. Well, I mean it was the first time that I heard of that festival, and when I saw the picture on the socials, I was kind of surprised because it was really high 
on the mountains. <laughs> yeah. Like we, we, we killed the transmission on a van getting up there actually. Like it, it, we didn't kill it, but we definitely damaged it. Like the clutch somehow. But yeah, we, we obviously did it just as kind of a, well, this is going to be an interesting experience and it gets us out of the house for the weekend. And it's, you know, within like health and safety reasons, considering pandemic, it's, it's a good, it seems like a good idea because obviously it's outside. It's, it's really limited. There's only 500 people allowed to go. And like the, the area is pretty spread out. Like it was over like pretty much half a square kilometer. So yeah, you're, you're, you're able to distance and kind of exist in this weird bubble that COVID exists and doesn't exist at the same time. Yes. Yeah, I think this is also the, the Swiss reality, you know, like I noticed uh, my parent living in the south and I'm myself living in the north of the country and we have the, the Alps in between and it's really like, okay, we have like this natural wall <laughs> dividing, you know, like in the sense that here we are safe from something and I guess people in the south think the same and... Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's a thing like the, the mentality just seems to like move based on how far into the valleys you get. Like, you know, you go into a small shop and like some shops are like, you don't need to wear a mask. I was like, nah, I'm going to wear a mask, you know, whereas like the major like grocery store chains and everything, they still have to. So it's just like this, this weird reality. Yes. So well, we met, I guess, a couple of years ago because we went in, we got in touch uh, through Instagram or Facebook because you we had some friends in common also in the tour world and at the time um, I start I was starting touring with Ghost Iris, the band from Denmark and um, I just want to get in touch with more people in that business because to have more advices you know how to how to deal. With, uh, with everything and um, you were kind enough to, to answer me and say hey I would be in Switzerland with Over the Brave and we met in Arau and we have the chance to, to meet each other and to in person and to talk and uh, I've always been fascinating since, uh, since I, the day I met you about um, what what have you done till today I mean the whole the bands you went with and, and the fact that uh, you you live in Berlin, but you are from Canada. Yeah. So you know, like um, you you really literally been around the world, thanks to this passion and this job, and I thought that this was so uh, interesting because in my case, uh, I grew up in the south of Switzerland. I went to north studying, and only. If, when I went there, I started, you know, open my horizons and travels, thanks to the music, mostly. Um, at the beginning in the country and then uh, to France, to Germany, and it brought me all over Europe, you know. And so I thought that, uh, I guess the first big question is like, uh, how was for you, like growing up in Canada and starting working in this in the music business um i mean I, I played in bands obviously when i was a kid and in high school and that's kind of how I, I got into it i i i had lived in i'm i'm originally from the east coast of canada and any anyone from canada knows that you know not a lot happens on the east coast there's not a lot of shows that go out there it's like pretty rare like 
there there are some spaces, but it's just it's just so far off the beaten path. Like the closest major city is Boston, and that's like a seven hundred kilometer drive, or Montreal, which is a fourteen hundred kilometer drive. So you're like, all right, it's a bit cut off. Um, my parents are military, so I had to move around a bunch when I was a kid. So I ended up in um, Toronto and uh, Ottawa uh, in my in my teen years, and just like any bored kid that lives in suburbs, you just kind of like start playing music. You start kind of just seeing like, oh, there's concerts. I guess I'll go to the concerts. And I was like the weird kid that like, oh, none of my friends in the suburbs want to go to concerts. So I guess I'll just go by myself to these ones downtown. And I just started meeting other people and like just, you know, understanding like what, what this DIY kind of punk scene is. And I got, I got really into like a lot of grindcore and stuff when I was younger. Um, I'm lucky that like, I met people like my friend Topan Das, who is the guitar player of a band called Fuck the Facts. And when I was 18 years old, um, in the summer, there was not much going on. I was kind of like in between housing at the time. And he's just like, yo, you want to come on tour with us? We're going to drive out to Vancouver. And anyone that knows North American geography, like driving to Ottawa to Vancouver is almost 5,000 kilometers. Like, don't get me wrong, we did shows in between, but it's like the, the, the driving is incomprehensible for anyone that hasn't done it. So as an 18-year-old, I just started kind of touring. And when I was back in Ottawa, I started um, helping promote and book some shows with some friends. And then I eventually started working for a production company in, in Ottawa, just doing some, some of the event management. And just from there, it just kind of snowballed and... I started working for more bands. I started doing more stuff. It was like, oh, okay, cool. Um, friends of mine in a death metal band called Beneath the Mask were like, hey, we're going to go on tour. Do you want to come with us? Like, you kind of know how to do sound. You kind of are a seemingly responsible person. I'm like, uh, yeah, sure. So middle of trying to do a bachelor at university, I, I just picked up and left on tour for months on end. In 2007, we... We just went for, what, almost three months on, on tour in a row? We were like, we left Montreal and we were only back once for one show and then gone again. It was just the weirdest experience. And that's that's pretty much how I just kind of opened the door to all this. I just hung around with a bunch of death metal dicks. Yeah, yeah just, just try, dude. I, I remember being a student here in Basel. Uh, I guess it was like the second year and... A friend of mine from Italy just um, writing me on, on Facebook, tell me, hey, Shandy, you're there. Uh, can you organize us a concert? And I never done something like this. But in that moment, I said, yeah, let's try it. So I invest my money. Uh, I went to a place, a really nice place here in Basel called um, Villa. No, what? Oh my God, I forgot the name. It's, a, it's an old villa in the middle of the city. And they organized already a lot of concerts, a lot of punk rock and metal shows. But, uh, and you can also uh, do your own concert, organize there. They support you. Uh, if you pay a fees, you can, they do all the, the flyers and everything. So it was kind of interesting work with them. And um, so it happens. And, and it was for me like the greatest motivator to to be to tr to try and try and try again. Um, I definitely more involved in what is um, 
um, yeah, getting in touch with people, with the location and go for the catering and backstage and I think more than sound or lights, which I have no idea how to do that. I mean, I can, when people ask me, I always say, you know, I can switch on off, but <laughs> more don't, don't expect anything more. But uh, this is another, this is another reason why I also get in touch with a lot of great people that uh, they are really amazing doing that job, kind of job. But personally, I, I just fell in love with uh, investing my time and my energies in try slowly to build something, you know, the idea that that evening people would come to listen to this, those bands that may be coming from Italy or Germany or France and we are there all together and we have the chance to enjoy the music. And this is also how, how all this started. Yeah. Um, while I was touring a bunch, I lived in a couple punk houses and, you know, we had basement shows and stuff. So like, there's always this like weird aspect where I was like working in this bizarre semi semi professional like touring industry, but then also just like living the full on DIY existence of like, oh yeah, like I'll have like a hundred kids in my my basement and it's like miserable, sweaty, you know. It's like you know we make potlucks and you just kind of exist with with bands being ridiculous in your basement and breaking all all stuff because you obviously had a hundred people. And hopefully the cops don't shut it down. Um, so like that was that was like a weird a weird contrast in, in when I was younger. That was just like this DIY kind of existence versus like the straight up like tour bus and touring vans and backlines and and stuff existing. It was it was just kind of this this weird switch that just went on and off. Um, and then it you know I it, it just started being. A thing where it's like tour is the only thing I do. I I graduated university in two thousand nine, right at right when the uh, global financial crisis hit, and Ottawa is a government city. So like most people, I have I went to school and I studied political science and political theory, and most kids that like I went to school with all either went and tried to get jobs in the government, which then they obviously couldn't if they didn't have their foot in the door. So or they went and worked at coffee shops. So my existence was like, okay, well, I can't go get a cool kid government job with a pension and everything, so I guess I'll just go on tour because it just seems like the easy thing to do. You know, and at that point, it's like I'd started going to Europe a lot, so it was like, oh, I'm going to Europe a lot. I go to the U.S. like five months out of the year. It's like, sure, this seems like a sustainable thing. I don't make a lot of money from it, but I like make enough to pay my bills. So that that just kind of was my existence of, my youth and just how it went from this weird DIY thing to this weird professional touring world. Yeah. I think the reality in Switzerland is strange because we didn't have many DIY scene or uh, like squat places or, you know, uh, what I guess what people call really the scene. Uh, from where I come from, we, we are not far away from Milan. And so everybody was like imported from there or people talking about the New York scene, you know, like, it's like having this American dream, you know? Yeah. And uh, a lot of things that I noticed while building my own career, it was like, there's no real school. Like in Switzerland, uh, you, you grow up with this idea that you, you, do, you do high school, then you go to university, and then you have your job. Yeah. And uh, doing what we are doing, I think it's... It's not for everybody, not 
of being clever or something like this, but it's more like you have to put yourself to the test because it's not something that uh, it's written or like this. You need to learn by doing a lot. I I have made so many mistakes growing up and done so many things wrong. And and unfortunately, the, the thing is, is, like, you either have to have good people around you to tell you that you are doing things wrong or you find out the hard way, you know. And that's the thing I find is kind of shitty about touring and like the music industry as a whole is because it is so informal and not standardized that it's easy for people to get frustrated when like they have problems thrown at them. And it's, it's obviously not a, a very easy lifestyle. You have to live with people in close quarters for long periods of time. So it's, it's just like, it's a very big test of character, like, you know, and it's not a character flaw if you can't handle that kind of thing. It's just like, not everyone is, built for these these kind of situations but I find like in I, I was pretty lucky that like I, I I grew up uh touring with a lot of bands that had really nice crews and really nice band members where it was like oh I can learn stuff from like I'm 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 always thankful for like having been on tour like the Black Dahlia murder when I was younger because, like, I got to learn a ton of stuff from, like, their sound guys. Same thing with, like, Dying Fetus' sound guy back in the day. It's just, like, these people are like, oh, like, these are cool things you can do with, like, snare reverbs and this and that. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. You know, I'm I'm 36 years old and I'm still learning stuff. Like, I'm still learning stuff from, like, friends of mine who are younger, which is, like, there's absolutely nothing wrong. Like, my friends are nerds and I'm like, cool, sick. You guys know how to make, like, the craziest snare bomb reverbs ever. And I'm like... Okay, cool. Show me how to do it properly, because <laughs> like yeah. I can kind of do it. But yeah. Yeah, I think that the, the I noticed this also with the internet and videos. I, I have some friends that are playing guitar or drums, amazingly. Like, wow, they put out online some videos of them. Um, I would say um, covering songs of bands you already knew, and they do like with their own flows, and they see that. But as a as technician, uh, while on tour with Gustavus, this friend of mine is used to do the sound and. I was so amazed to see working every single evening of the tour because in every location was different and every time the band went on stage it sounds really good. Even uh, in the end of the tour, the last days, the, the band that were with us um, asked them if they could you know, just check their own sound because they felt that they, I think he's uh, 24 or something like this. you know, like and. Uh, that was so interesting because it was something that, as I said, I have no knowledge of. But at the same time, you you are really curious to see what's going on or what's the, how is the magic is working. Let's say. Yeah, like I mean, even even growing up, like in in Ottawa, like I I talked to like sound guys at like venues and stuff that I knew, just because I was like, oh, this, this seems interesting. I kind of know how this shit works, and it's like, okay, cool. It's basically like a, a guitar amp, you know, you have gain, EQ, and output, and you're like, uh, yeah, just now do it and put a couple extra things in there, and now just make it 48 channels and put even more things on it and more things on it, and you're like, okay, cool. I think I can do this, you know, and even, even, even like the last two weeks where I've, I've only done like, what, three shows now in the last two weeks, which are the first shows in the last two years, I'm like, oh, I still know how to do all this stuff, you know. It's okay. I'm, uh, I'm, not, I'm not too rusty on it. It's like riding a bike. You just figure it out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know? And then like everything, the experience 
yeah, or gives you the right uh, ways. I mean, the experience allows you to just kind of like troubleshoot the logic quicker. You're like, oh, okay, this problem comes up. So you're like, mm, maybe it's this or that. And like, you know, we had it where like we have, uh, we have an outboard server that runs all of our plugins for stuff and it died. So, you know, we either troubleshoot that for as long as it kind of feels necessary. And when that ran out, we're just like, all right, we move on and we just run the whole show without this plugin server. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a contingency plan for that. And like, that that's something that like, you know, not everyone is, is good with dealing with that kind of stress. Yeah. You know, me, I'm just like, this is annoying, but it means it's not going to stop the show. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a question about the scene, I will say. <laughs> uh, there's a, a lot of rumors right now online about, um, I'm on, on a couple of um, pages about Straight Edge, for example, and I don't know why in the last week there was a lot of uh, questioning about uh, what does it mean being straight edge or to, ex- to really exist a straight edge scene, for example. And um, and so some other guys broke out the topics about uh, um, what does it mean being part of this musical scene, but also uh, how the, all, all the different subjects play a role and I mean, uh, like, I think the one of the most um, topics touched in the last year was women in the music scene, art music scene. And uh, in the last year, also, we have more sensibility in, in talking about uh, the LGBTQ society. Yeah. And uh, um, I know in your experience, how did you, what could you say about this? Because once again, personally, I come from a small musical scene a small country um we have a lot of bigotry politics made a huge influence um switzerland always seems uh <laughs> you know like i talk with some people from all over the world say oh you know switzerland looks so fantastic yeah we have a wonderful nature but then there is all the other side and it's and, fence and, sitting <laughs> yeah and then you notice that because i grew up in certain ways and i consider myself really open but uh, at the same time, I noticed that even the people say, oh, no, something is good or this should be like this. They preach one way, but then they act on the other, I would say. Or they try to seem more conservative, in this case, in a Swiss way. So um, I guess to concentrate, how is in your experience um, growing up, but also uh, being in between countries, how did you live this experience? more human let's say i mean i i mean i understand scenes as like these these kind of societies that exist which have like the rules everything has a rules like i've i've never been straight edge in my life but i've been pretty much sober most of my adult life um it's the same thing with like veganism and you know i i i obviously live in the lgbtq world being like a trans woman and everything but there are obviously some some sort of social norms that some people like to apply that, you know, when people challenge them or try to bend them, that it just gets, it gets murky. People get uncomfortable with, like, the notion of it. So I find, like, having having grown up in Ottawa, like, the the Ottawa community has been fairly progressive. Even, even, like, even before, like, when I was, like, obviously identifying as just, like, like cis male, it was, okay, like, you know, we have a... Oh, good amount of queer people and stuff and it's like 
but I think the problem is just like how do we as like the rest of the community like accommodate them or create space for them because it's it can be a pretty daunting situation like me me basically just coming out transitioning and you know having lived a, a cis life as like this you know dude tour manager sound tech that's like you know I have a reputation I have like you know this kind of like idea that everyone kind of thinks about me and then it's like oh hey um, I'm gonna just flip a whole bunch of that shit you know my attitude and like me who I am doesn't change but it's like oh uh, all of a sudden I identify as female all of a sudden now it's like I live in the LGBTQ bubble so it's like is there space for for me like do I is it something where it's like I'm gonna feel comfortable and the answer for a lot of that is no like I I was at a festival a couple years ago and a friend was talking to me and it was it's a festival that I've been to a ton of times before with like bands. And I was like, I was there at Zealand Arter two years, summers ago. And I was like, man, I don't feel comfortable at this. Like I feel threatened because it's like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm the queer kid now. And like that, that was like this weird eye opening thing where it's like, shit, like I'm, I'm, I'm going to exist in this way, but it's like, fuck. Now I have to like deal with the fact that like, there are some aspects of prejudice in, in these scenes. And it's, you know, no one is out there like being like, oh, you know, calling me names and stuff or anything. It's just like, there's just this suspicion kind of where it's like people, people don't understand why you're in this community all of a sudden. You're like, oh, well, why don't you go to like Pride and stuff? It's like, I don't want to go to Pride. You know, I want to go to my shows. You know, Pride is important for other reasons, mm-hmm. but it's like my existence in every spot is unfortunately now political, you know, and that's, that's something that like needs to be dealt with. And, you know, part of it is, is trying to advocate for it. Other part of it is just existing, just existing and trying to thrive as much as you can. Like, I feel lucky that you know, I, I toured Zeal and Ardor and I toured sometimes with uh, Heilung and like both of those bands have been beyond like accommodating and like chill. Like, you know, with Zeal and Ardor, it's, it's a non-issue with Heilung. It's a non-issue. It's just like, oh, hey, I'm, um, I'm changing my name. I'm changing my pronouns, blah, 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 blah. Cool. It's, it's a non-issue. And like that, that's great. Cause I, I feel like, I feel like, oh, I'm supported by these people. But then it's like, I have this weird hang up where it's like, oh, now I have to like exist to other people that I don't know. And like, obviously it's like, you know, you're, you're going to show up and people will either figure out or like, they'll have their preconceived notions. It's like, Oh, you're, you're trans. Nah, 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 nah. And it's just like, yeah, it feels weird. It feels stressful sometimes. Yeah. It seems that, uh, when people, I would say, um, find out that they need to 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 walk this way because it's the most natural it's the more comfortable for themselves first yeah. it seems that um of course you you uh you have this need to show something or you know like to show off in some ways it seems that it it's like people don't think about how somebody will feel inside you know um I was talking last day with a good friend of mine from Ticino and he's also um, colored. When we grow up in the same region, same city, 
we went to the same school and we were the only two colored person in that school. And um, so we, we were used to, you know, to be around people that are not like us in some ways. And that's positive, you know, I even talk like this, say we are different, but different it's good, you know. And years later, we get more in touch and we talk about our experiences. And he said, <clears throat> you know, um, when he was a teenager, he witnessed more racism as I did. Um, I had my experience later on, almost on with my 30, about getting, yeah, even reaching my position at, in, this, in this work. Um, classical music, you have artists from all over the world. Um, you, feel, you feel the pressure on female artists. Um, you see how if you are a conductor, a male conductor, yeah, you have more chances to get engaged and for this project or that and that and the other people have really to push. Um, being part, for example, of the LGBTQ community, it's something like, it seems that has to belong to, to culture. You know, it's like, it's like, it's like, like, oh, okay, uh, that's okay. Oh, because you're a musician or because you are a, you're opera singer and it's okay. When in the end, it doesn't have to be related with something you are doing for work or the ambience you grow up. Is this you as a person? Yeah, like my, my like gender identity and everything is obviously irrelevant to like my ability to do work, but that's not how the world works, unfortunately. It's like people have their preconceived notions about about every sort of things and like whether they are unconscious bias or conscious bias it'll play against you. Like, I, I feel lucky that, like, you know, I, I unfortunately, you know, had to, you know, slog it out as, like, a cis dude, and then all of a sudden I was like, oh, hey, um, I'm trans, but, like, hey, I already have all my work contracts and everything kind of, like, sorted, so it's like, I, I'm, I'm stable. Like, I have my opportunities already. I didn't have to go through that, like, being younger and being, like, trans then and then just slogging through it like that that's something that like of an experience that i i never got to live you know and there are people that that are living that like i i know some people that are like you know in their early 20s trying to get into touring and like you know they're lgbtq people and it's like they will face adversity and it's like the thing is it's just a, a matter of like constantly challenging those those norms those, those social norms is constantly just making sure that like there is space like you exist your existence is political always you know whether it's me as like a trans woman from North America living in Germany whether it's you as like a colored person living in Switzerland like it just just like existing in society is, is is political because it's not what is the norm to everyone else you know the the f- Sometimes uh, I listen to some texts of bands I love, the lyrics, and um, I remember a couple of years ago, um, comes out the top is that in the hardcore scene, it is the scene where I guess grow up and I'm more active, um, you have this kind of macho feelings always, even if it's hardcore, beat down, like this, and... and um, and it seems like that, uh, like for bands that have somebody, uh, somebody like a female lead singer, it wasn't, 
it wasn't fitting right. There was a lot of discussion about this, you know. No, or it's tokenized. You know, it's made this thing like, you know, everyone everyone grew up and was like, oh, Walls of Jericho is cool because, you know, they have, they have a woman singing, but she sounds like the, the guys. And you're just like, why does that matter? Like, is the band good? That's what should matter. Yeah. You know, like, I'm, I'm glad that, like, that band got to, like, help open doors for other women to get into, like, this music scene. But it's, like, a lot of the time, it's, like, especially, like, I, I've, I've toured with a band where, like, our singer's female, like, and, like, that was the thing that, like, so many people, like, were, like, oh, yeah, this. You know, fuck the facts, the singer, she's, like, you know, she's, um, what, five foot three or something? I don't know, what, 160 centimeters tall? You know, she's a small woman, and, like, everyone's, like, whoa, but she, she like, does, like, all these grindcore screaming things. And you're, like, yeah, yeah. pretty much everyone can kind of do that if you learn to do it. it. It has nothing to do with gender. So the hardcore scene and, like, the metal scene especially is, like, I mean, it's angry music. You know, anger is this kind of emotion that that just, you know, has its social roots in just, like, angry men and war and things that, like, you know, through throughout history, men did, you know? So that's why it's, like, obviously this is just kind of, like, slowly shifted to, like, music. It's, like, oh, well, all angry music is just all angry dudes. And, like, okay, but it's not just angry dudes. Women can be angry. Everyone else can be angry. So... Let's just all do this. Yeah, but I don't know. Do you think that, for example, in the world we are living, uh, social media are bringing justice to this or are bringing more chaos into this dialogue? A bit of both. I mean, you, you look at like recent aspects of, you know, bands supporting Black Lives Matter, like part of it is like this weird tokenism where everyone's like, Oh, I'm going to post a black square today, but it's like, okay, cool. But what are you doing to like be anti-racist? Like just saying it is not, not like the only thing you can do. It's like, you kind of have to call out people when they're being shitty in public. Cause like, that's the thing. There, there are instances of racism that happen like on the bus and people just like sit around and are like, Oh, well, it wasn't that bad. And you're like, yeah, because it wasn't violent. It's not that bad, but it still means that prejudice still exists. Like, you know, I, I experience it all the time when it's like I take public transit and like I have like a bunch of like, you know, bro dudes staring at me because it's like, oh, I guess they clocked me. I'm trans, whatever, you know, and like I feel super uncomfortable and like nothing's going to happen. But like it's, it's still this weird, uncomfortable space where it's like I'm different and I'm being looked at because I'm different. Mm -hmm. you know? I think interesting that um, through social, it's, uh, it's shown a lot of this difference nowadays. And uh, I think this is positive because there's maybe people out there that they don't know or never get in touch to, or they have the chance to talk to somebody, you know, in that situation or they're living in that way. And um, myself, Miko, Romy Hop, in a family of artists, we have our neighborhoods. There was a couple of gay men and they were living together. For me, as a child, it was normal that two men could live together, having a house, a wonderful garden. And it, there was no difference in between looking at my family and their own. And, but this is me. And um, I was, how it happened that uh, I helped uh, a friends doing a vernissage of um, South African hearts here in Basel. And for the opening, um, she calls two DJ from Switzerland. Uh, and 
one of them um, he's also um, queer and and he's 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 he's, he's, um, he's also a trans uh, trans man and he, um, we went after the show we went to the tram heading to the station because we went in the same direction and uh, when I met him in the afternoon let's say that he was more looking like a man but then in the evening it was really his feminine side out and uh, and we went on the on the on the tram and. Uh, I noticed that all these young people look at us like, oh, it's like the circus is in town, you know, like, and also on that, in that moment, I was thinking what they really happen in their minds. Like they're looking because of course, maybe it's a first time. Let's say, you know, I saw nine people dancing or this, but this is also happened here. Or it was like, like more ignorance like not not just say prejudice but like yeah you know like just oh look is that strange and this is also what i'm trying to understand better because i know how swiss society works uh i have a friend working as a lawyer and i know that in he is hiding a lot of his own through himself because of the work you yeah. know and uh, so it's um, I'm f I'm personally really really curious to better understand this human reaction, but at the same t uh, because at the same time it's the same thing that I ask myself when I want to when I go to a concert and I notice that maybe I'm the only colored person in. The, in the in the in the in the hall, you know, like because small venue, you see, you maybe you know everybody, um, you know that you won't, we have problem because of that, but of course you you see that, you as we said, difference good, but in that moment you are different from from your and like nine times out of ten you're the only one, I mean obviously like, my experience versus your experience is like is completely. Is completely different, but same in some ways. It's like obviously you're you're a colored person. It's like your existence is there. Like you know that you can't change that. Whereas like me before when I identified as like a cis white male, it's like oh I just live as like a fucking angry dude. And it's like that LGBTQ part does not exist. Like if you look at me, like that's the thing. It it, it took obviously me taking proactive steps to you know identify as female and and just all that stuff and you know exist in society and that's when the bullshit started coming whereas like you it's like you you can't do that you can't take it off you know it's like the the joke of like you know blue lives matter in in america and stuff you're like yeah but you can take off your uniform when you go home you know and not be hated on for being a cop it's like someone that's black or brown or person of color cannot do that you know like yeah i can obviously dress like a dude today and probably pass as a fucking dude and like no one's gonna bat an eye it's like i can i can still kind of do that am i gonna do that no because that makes me feel shitty but it's like there's there's like an aspect especially in like the trans community where like passing is like a huge notion where it's like you know passing as like your gender is this this kind of huge notion and it's it's half a psychological thing where it's like oh you want to be accepted as that but it's also a security thing and that's how i've explained it to some people it's like you know, if you look less quote unquote trans and you look more just female, you'll only get 
the bullshit women get and not the bullshit that trans women get. And it's like, cool, you're just layering the bullshit now. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, it sucks, but that, that's, that's, that's the unfortunate reality on the ground is that, you know, there are, there are layers of it and it's like, there are certain proactive things you can do to either make it better or worse. And, you know, that sucks for obviously everyone because like, you're like, oh, I have to limit myself. I have to limit my, my own expression because of like safety reasons, mm-hmm. you know, like when I travel, like I don't travel and like dress like the most feminine person because like, <sighs> I just don't want to like have to deal with like the, the ambiguity of it sometimes. It's just like, I just rather like someone just doesn't a- ask questions and it's like, I just exist. And it's like, unfortunately, not everyone can do that. Yeah, I was surprised that there's a lot of people out there that they, I mean, if somebody's looking, as I said, on the tram, people were looking, but it wasn't a bad feelings, you know, but there are people out there that they just don't think twice that they just talk or they, they make comments. And I think, um, why, you know, um, and yeah, I think that, as you said before, there's a lot of people witnesses this kind of situation and just do not react at all and uh, for me um, I, I always get a little bit mad when I see some videos about how colored people are treated mostly in America but even here in Switzerland uh, I'm on the here. train yeah. at night or in the morning even but I have 90% of the chance that they're gonna ask me for a document you know and uh, or and uh, I always ask to myself when people see something like this, how to react? Because let's take um, one case, um, the so-called Karen situation, when the, you know it's put like it's a funny situation on social because you see this reaction, you say, "Whoa, what's going on?" But it's more. It seems like more entertainment than sensibilization to hey, you know, there is people that will. Uh, acting aggressively against somebody else just for the color of their skin but in that way you're seeing this it seems like funny in some way it's it's when you know passive biases transgress and become active biases it's like you know there's like a video of like a woman in new york city last year during the start of pandemic who called the cops on a black man who was walking his dog and being like what I'm just out walking my dog and the like the video was just like you know unfortunately like the stereotype of like oh I'm being threatened and you're like okay like it, it's it's a valid feeling to feel threatened but it's like does the situation actually merit that and then unfortunately it's like are your unconscious biases now becoming conscious biases and you know in that situation like social media is what kind of saved the day because otherwise like if that man hadn't posted the video online, it's like, who knows what could have happened? And that's, that's like the shitty thing. It's like social media is obviously fueling it because everyone likes to like, be like, haha, look at this, like Karen. But it's like, it's also the reason that like some people are being held accountable to like their behavior, you know? So it's like, it's, it's a fuel and it's also, you know, the water that puts out the fire at the same time. It's just like, I mean, going back to your, your question about, like, uh, does social media fuel or, or not? It's, it's just that. It's, like, social media can sensationalize this stuff, but it can also, like, provide, like, a window on, like, 
perspective. You know, perspective is like incredibly important. You know, context of, of like situations and perspective of how people understand it, you know, as like as as much as like that that woman probably did feel threatened in some way by some unconscious bias, it's like maybe it makes other people question those unconscious biases. Mm-hmm. And like as shitty as it is, that's kind of a good thing. You know, because people people need to be challenged. You need to have your your you know your things challenged, especially by things that do not threaten you in any way possible. Like my existence as a trans woman should not threaten you in any way. Like I don't know, does it shouldn't ask, threaten your aspect of like your own you know gender and sexuality. It's like I I just exist. You know, I'm just here to get food at a restaurant or like coffee, just like anyone else. You know, I'm not trying to be like well, this is the trans space now. Like, you know, this needs to accommodate me. It's like, no, it needs to be just chill. It needs to be, you know, neutral. You know, we're in Switzerland. It needs to be neutral. Come on. You know, but not fence sitting neutral. You know, not watching bad shit happen and then just being like, oh, I'll just look over here. You know, it needs to be just, you know, that's that's like everything about pride. It's like, you know, pride is a protest because it's just like, we exist, we're not doing anything bad to you. Therefore, why are you being a dick to us? We just want to exist and be chill. You know, we just want to exist and have good, happy lives like everyone else. Yeah, I think this has a lot to do with uh, some, kind, some kind of egoism of, of, of you. Because uh, like uh, next month or in two months, we're going to uh, vote for uh, same-sex marriage here in Switzerland. And, um, yeah, you can imagine in a country like Switzerland, uh, as we said before, uh, in the eyes of many, it's the land of the green and hope. Uh, but uh, on the other side, we have a, a strong bigotry, a strong tradition, you know, like they, and a few people want to keep this alive because they don't see that things can be together on the same plane let's say people feel threatened by it like that's the thing it it threatens their identity and their way of of how they view what their society is and it's like cool like you're you're viewing that this is threatening you and your individuality and your maybe your community but it's like are you doing that to just make someone else's life worse like that that's the thing it's like I, I i that's the part where i don't understand i was like you're actively just trying to make someone's life shittier through your passiveness mm-hmm. you know through your being like this is not important to me so therefore it's no concern to me mm-hmm. it's like that that's that's the definition of just being passive about something yeah you know it's like i mean you know majority of the country here is not going to be affected by lgbtq people getting married no, of course, of you course. Know? And like, if anything, it's just trying to establish social protections. I mean, in most rich countries, you know, we have um, inheritance laws that allow for transfer of wealth. It's like, oh, are we all of a sudden worried that like the gays are going to have all the money? <laughs> mm. They're going to get all, inherit all the money and, you know, push them out. It's like, no, we're, you know, we're a minority of people. We're just going to exist just like everyone else. Yeah. But living... Having your life in between uh, this Canada states and Europe, how how is your feeling between the difference in between the two part of the world? Like, I mean, 
Canada, Canada is like, you know, a country likes to like pride itself on being this like very multicultural and like open kind of country, you know, and like we, we pride ourselves on a lot of ways of, of establishing our, our identity as like how we are not American. You know, we're like, oh, we don't have gun laws like America. We have healthcare unlike America. You know, we have this unlike America. And you're just like, yeah, but we also have different types of racism unlike America that are even worse at some times. You know, we have, uh, I saw there's a, there's a satirical newspaper um, news site called Walking Eagle News in Canada. And uh, it's mostly just about indigenous satirical news. And um, obviously like there's big talks about vaccine passports, like Quebec in, in Canada is like introducing vaccine passports. So it's Prince Edward Island and Manitoba. So like the other provinces are just trying to be like, fuck, what do we do about this? Um, Walking Eagle News posted a thing being like, oh, country that is, uh, you know, debating vaccine passports, unaware that it also gives out um, cards to establish status for certain types of people. In other words, First Nations people have to have Indian status cards to prove that they are Indian. You know, and you're just like, we already, you know, the joke is that we already have paperwork to establish different types of people even though that there's no real difference other than, you know, ethnicity and social upbringing, you know. So Canada is obviously, it is, it is a nice place to grow up and, and everything, but it's like it has the same problems that Europe has. It just has them in different ways. You know, we, we still have, like, aspects of, like, you know, conservatism and people that want to, you know, we have tradition here. We need to do that. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I, I, I grew up in, you know, French Canadian family. Like I love the Montreal Canadians and hockey, like cool, but it's like, that's not everything. You know, their, their society will change. I mean, if you want to argue about it, like Quebec, Quebec is really funny because like in the 1950s, the Catholic church basically like lost its prominence in society. And you're like, okay, cool. That, that means there's, there's proof that we can actually kind of make changes as a society to how we do things. So it's like, why can't we just keep doing that? Why can't we keep making things better? And it's like, don't get me wrong, like, Canada has done things better, but it can do better still. And it's the same thing with, like, Germany. Like, I, I live in Germany right now, and, like, you know, I, I pay pretty close attention to politics, even though, like, I can't vote, but, like, you know, hey, they, I, I pay taxes, they take my money and, you know, utilize it for some things I like and some things I don't like, you know, and I find that, you know, just like any country, there are some benefits to the way they run it and there are bad things about it as well. Um, I mean, the immigration system in, in Germany is, is a nightmare. I've, I've been living it for the last nine years of my life, and it's like there's no digital system to check on anything. It's like, you know, I I have friends that work at, in immigration in Canada, and, like, they've explained to me how, like, oh, we have a digital record system. So it's like, you you know, our, our, our immigration system is by no means the, the gold star of immigration systems. It's a mess just like any other countries. Um, but at least they have a digital system, whereas Germany, they don't have a digital system. And you're like... At one point, they seem to have actually misplaced my immigration file and told me that they're, I've never applied for, for something. And I'm like, wait, what? I applied for this a year ago. You know, it's, it's there. I sent it to you with, like, you know, a tracking number that you need to be signed for. So it's like, you have it. I've signed other paperwork for it. So it's like, just like any country, 
it, it has its it has its problems. It has its bureaucracies that are just like a nightmare, you know. So I, I find the difference. I mean, the thing is, is like both countries are, are you know wealthy nations. They're 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 you know the, from the the north of what we call the you know the geographic north. It's like those countries have basically been able to prosper economically well, regardless of like you know world wars and whatnot, and everyone who's lived there has at least some minimum aspects of, of like social support. It's not great. It can be better, but at least there's some where it's like, you know, other countries in the South, like, you know, there are limited government services and stuff. There's limited ability to be autonomous. There's limited ability to like immigrate to other places. Like I've, you know, I've seen like the bizarreness of like me throwing down my passport after someone that's from another country that like, has less freedom of movement, you know, like how much more scrutiny they get, you know, like I, I've seen it before I got off a plane in Russia and I was behind like a group of Russians going into the EU and it's like, you know, the cop, the border guards were a bit more dicks to them and I throw down a Canadian passport and they're like, where are you going? I'm like, Montreal. They're like, cool, see ya. I'm like, that's it. And you're just like, again, unconscious bias. <laughs> yeah, this has happened to me uh, while on tour in, uh, for the first time in Scandinavia three years ago. Uh, never been there. Didn't know what to expect. Of course, I, as I said, I'm open-minded person. So I go there and say, okay, let's see how people react. And uh, it was funny because at the border, um, they just like ask for the documents. That's fair enough. And but then just smiling, say, oh, I enjoy your trip or uh, have fun. Then when you explain that you are with a band, you know, like I remember uh, we were in the in between um, Oslo and Stockholm. Yeah. And Uh, we in the middle of nowhere there was like this this control police control uh, for alcohol testing and everything so they test me and then he asked me oh so um you, you are with a band yeah yeah well, i'm driving this man we're going to have a concert tonight and then the the the, the officer starts smiling and he said oh, you know i guess i stopped your friends already like one hour before you're like but it was like easy going you know like like this And then it happens that we arrive like two in the morning in Switzerland at the border here in Basel. So I I was driving and I spoke and I, I, my Swiss German is not so good, but I can fake it quite good. And so I just to say, okay, it's two in the morning, bands, you know, the van was with a German uh, played, played yeah. and everything. And the guy just say, okay, yeah, control everything, please, like this. And it was ready to say, you can go. So like in 10 minutes, it could be at my place. And, and then there arrived this young officer and said, no, no, to have to open everything. We need to check. Like we tour Europe. We went to UK to, through the, with the train under the, 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 the sea and everything. And even there, the French just say, oh, yeah, we have your documents. That's perfect. <laughs> and I arrive in Switzerland and take two in the morning we are in front of the van explaining that we are selling merch but we are not making real money you know like and everything and um, yeah it was it's it's always that feelings you know like you're welcome to be there and there but at the same time yeah you but you have to be the in the the right Or you have to be with a, with this clothes, or you have to be with this personality. You need to speak the language currently. 
I notice when I do uh, customer service for my new job that sometimes I say, I don't speak Swiss German, please can we speak, uh, it's called Hochdeutsch. And yeah. I noticed that some people just like react like, okay, it's fine. And other really just go straight, keeping speaking Swiss German. Even if I have to ask the street or a phone number two times because I didn't get it. You know, like, and yeah, I think that it's this idea that, that um, for, for, for many people, it's, it's hard to accept that somebody maybe it's feeling good in his skin, in his, the way he's living, <coughs> for the choice he made, even going good with the mistakes he made before, let's say, you know, like, and, uh, and this influence a lot of things. But going back to the music scene, um, do you think that right now there is uh, still a uh, rising sensibility, even in the, I would say, uh, even in doing music, like, do you think that there are bands that really, um, music talk always about something, there's a lot of hardcore scene, punk scene is so so political related, let's say. And do you think that there's still also an awareness in, the, in that direction in the last years? Or I mean, there's there's always been bands that are like pseudo apolitical and political bands. You know, like I, I grew up listening to way too much propaganda when I was I was a kid, and like basically for me, like most music was like, oh, it has to have a like at least some sort of political edge where it's like, obviously I can't listen to like NSBM bands. That's for goddamn sure. But it's like, you know, I, I, I kind of make sure at least like bands have like some ethics that like I agree with. I, I had actually turned down working for bands when I was younger. because I was like, nah, I'm just not into like your ethics, you know? And it's like, part of, part of me is like, cool. I have a position where it's like, Oh, I have other work that I can do that. But like, I know not everyone does. You know, but when it comes down to like bands nowadays, like they're 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 totally political bands out there. There's like a lot of bands like that take, you know, the shit really serious, like in terms of like, you know, making sure that like their music can be inclusive and can be like representative of like their community and their circles. Like, don't get me wrong, like you know, white dudes from fucking New Jersey obviously can't have you know, struggles and stuff. And that that's the reality of, like, a lot of people in places, you know. But, like, as we go, it's, like, obviously there are more minorities involved, there are more people of color, more women involved. So it's, like, the narrative on, like, what is to be talked about is is going to slowly change. Like, obviously, I, like, when I was a kid, I, I listened to, like, you know, feminist, like, cross bands, like Witch Hunt and stuff. And, like, you know, that, that's just straight up talking about abortion politics. And you're like, you know, this is important to these people. So you're like, cool. You know, does this affect me? No. Can I support it? Yes. There are ways to support it. But like, will it affect me in dire directly? No. And I think it's just the aspects of having solidarity. Like this, the aspect of solidarity is something that like, I find is not espoused enough in, in hardcore. It's like, it's kind of this weird, like, this is my shit and this is what I do. Whereas like, you know, you, you, can, you can have solidarity with other people and, and their struggles or their problems or their successes, you know? I, I grew up with some bands that were just, like, so competitive when I was younger that was, like, you know, I, I, I kind of get it why you're, like, what the fuck, why is this band, like, all of a sudden blowing up and, like, 
you know, you've been obviously grinding it out for a couple of years and like you don't have the same quick level of success. You still have success. Like, don't get me wrong, but it's like, it, it's, it's the joke of the, the old jaded musician, you know? And like, I find that there's nothing to be gained in, in bringing people down or just like being nitpicky about it. Like, I don't get why so many bands are big. I don't get it at all, but I'm like, cool. As long as they have like some sort of like good general, like, you know, message or this, like their art is like obviously representative of something that's like has some aspect of positive force in it, even when it's negative music, you know, cool. If people like it, good for them. You know, that's great. That means there's more music out there. Like I, I currently am, I'm working at a place called Evil Greed and like, um, it's a merch company in Berlin and we have, uh, we sell, we send out vinyl for like a lot of artists and like we recently, um, did, uh, the pre-order sell, sell it, eh, send out for, um, this artist Lingua Ignata and like, I listen to it. I don't get it, but I'm like, cool. A lot of people do. I, I don't get the music at all. Like, but I'm like, I kind of understand the messaging behind it and I'm like, okay, cool. You know, the messaging is like, it's dark. Like it's, it's dark music. It's, it's a lot of it is about like abuse and, and shit. And it's like, that, that's a, that's a, a message that I think needs to be way more present in it. You know, it's like, it can, it doesn't have to be women talking about that only. It can be anyone talking about it. So like mm-hmm. aspects of like bad things happening, understanding how to talk about it, I think is, is like incredibly important. And it's like, if you can get that through, through your music, even if it's music that I don't understand, you know, that that's, that's like the pure sign that I'm, I'm getting old. You know, I'm like, I don't understand what the kids are doing these days, even though like obviously most of these people are like almost in the same age cohort as me, you know, but you know, people like it. People are stoked. The the messaging is like trying to put forward something. So I'm like, cool. You know, I think that's, I think that aspect is like what is more important in, in all of like new music coming out today. Like obviously like old music is still relevant. Like, you know, mm-hmm. You know, the messaging from, like, music that I listened to 20 years ago, which is, for me, a, a fucked up sentence to say, because I'm like, oh, 20 years ago, what was I listening to? Oh, a lot of things I still listen to today. Yeah, the same year. You know? <laughs> and, like, some of it has not grown with time, and some of it has. You know, some of it is, you know, especially, like, you know, a lot of death metal and a lot of, like, punk and stuff is just numbskully and kind of, like, dumb. You know, obviously it has this nostalgic place, but it's like, it's messaging doesn't resonate with me anymore, you know? And it's like, cool. I mean, some of those bands have, have definitely like progressed and some of them have just kind of just stayed in what they're doing. Yeah. You know, some of them just stay in their lane. They're like, that's what I do. I'm good at it. Yeah. An example that I thought really is interesting is the no effects as a classical California punk rock band. Um, uh, I really enjoyed uh, that series they made about them touring all over the world oh, and everything because, past, because yeah. they had no fear to show also the, the dark side of the band. I mean, addiction and problems, communicate and everything. And, um, and now I was listening to the, the, the latest release and it's interesting because they are not trying to still to uh, mellow in their sound or the topics. They... I think it's like they're singing like more grow up topics, but as in a good way, like say, hey, you know, we are here, you know, we are on the scene for many, many years 
and now we just realize this and that and we want to share this with our audience because this is us you know not to be scared to also say you know i i had this kind of struggle or this and that and maybe in that way people will listen better than you know watching movies or i mean that that's the thing it's like it, it you know the the 90s fat records punk scene like obviously was a soundtrack for like tons of people growing up like me included like you know like I said, I listen to way too much propaganda. Um, I listen to no effects a ton. I've the weirdest experiences, hang, like crossing Fat Mike and backstages over the years. Um, but, you know, I think for a band like that to be able to be like, yo, a bunch of us have had addictions. A bunch of us are a bunch of kind of queer old dudes now that we're just realizing, wait, we actually are a bunch of queer old dudes. You know, I, I, I think that in and of itself, even though it like, you know, it might confirm a bunch of stereotypes or like that. It still just creates like that, that space. It's like, oh, Fat Mike is a, a, you know, a 50-year-old punk dude that's, you know, kind of into weird fetish wear, but it's still like, yeah, I'm going to go play Punk and Drublik. You know, it's like, I'm, I'm that, I was the same dude then. I'm just older now and I'm just way more comfortable with myself. So this is just what it is. He, he's at least making some space for it. He's making it that it's like, this is just it, you know? Don't get me wrong. He's, he's definitely done some, some dumb shit, but like maybe, maybe someone who hasn't done dumb shit, I've done dumb shit, you know? That's just, that's just life. You know, we make mistakes. Yeah. You know? And, uh, if we, if you would, you advise some good contemporary band or bands that you think that, have a, a meaning or that really worth it to be listened to it what would you for the i mean this is a question more for the audience you know like so they also have like something to listen to after the episode <laughs> i mean i'm 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 incredibly biased because i i work for zeal and ardor and they're my friends and i i feel incredibly fortunate that like manuel gangue is like someone that like i can just like text and like send dumb memes to and like joke about stuff but it's like him and everyone else in the band i find are like people that like i can talk to about like a wide variety of like really important political issues like i'm i mean a lot of them are like really important to like people here in basel like a, you know a bunch of them are involved with like basel nazi Frei and stuff mm. like that and i find that the band in terms of its messaging even though it's like past records have been a bit more subtle you know in terms of like anti-racism anti-fascism you know aspects of you know, colonialism and, and slavery have always been there. But now it's like, you know, they put out a, an EP last year called Wake the Nation. And it's like, it was straight up just like, this is the context of like a lot of people in not just America. You know, and I, I find that that was one of the more of, of recent music. That's like one of the things I was like, fuck, I'm, I'm stoked about the messaging about this because it's like still got a good vibe to it. You know, it's got a good beat, but it's dark. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's, it's, it's not trying to bullshit about what it is, you know? And like, I, you know, obviously I've seen the internet and I've seen the YouTube comments being like, wow, this band is all of a sudden political. And you're like, this band was always political. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you didn't realize it, then, well, sorry, the band is political. Uh, what you want to do with that information is up to you. Um, if you don't want to support the band, well, then sorry, we don't really need you. Yeah, but it seems that sometimes people just forget about just enjoy and listen to the music, you know, like 
I guess that in my playlist there are maybe some bands that I, I won't say that I don't like really, but maybe I don't agree hundred percent with what they're saying or what how the way they are doing or the attitude they have. But I love the sound, and this is also a good thing. So I think yeah, I guess you can find a good balance in between. I mean, it all like I said, it all depends on like what kind of context and what kind of like narrative are, are people putting out you know like right now there's like there's a lot of conflicting narratives over what the future of like live music is going to look like you mm -hmm. know we have populations of unvaccinated people due to either like not wanting to being questioning it or unable to due to medical reasons and we have a population of people who are vaccinated who are like well i just want to get back to my fucking shit mm -hmm. you know i mean I, i i fall into that i've been you know unemployed from the music industry for a year and a half yeah you know, i did that too yeah yeah exactly it's like you know it's like you know and obviously our various countries have have supported us in good and bad ways and that's cool but like you know i have friends that are like in south africa and they're like getting nothing like they're from more well-off families and stuff but it's like can't tour they can't do anything so there's there's just like a There's a thing where it's like, I find that there's a lack of solidarity in general. Like, you know, it's, it's unfortunate to come back to that where it's like, you know, bands are just being like, well, why can't I do this? And you're like, yeah, but like, if not everyone can do it safely, then why are we even trying to do it? You know, it's like, I, me, if you were like, oh, we can do full capacity shows tomorrow, I'd be like, no. Absolutely not. Like, it's still a public health risk. It was like, why should my enjoyment and my, you know, financial benefit threaten someone? Like, that's, that's like the, that's, that's, that's a colonial mindset in and of itself. Like, pure colonial mindset. You know? Oh, it's like, oh, I'm not going to be affected by it as bad, so I should be able to do this. It's like, whoa. <laughs> like, you're getting into some eugenic thought there. It's like... Not everyone can, not everyone will. And it's like, if you're going to actively be out there trying to support, you know, threatening public health because you feel inconvenienced, like, I, I, I can't support this shit. And there's, there's a bunch of bands lately that, like, I, I can't support anymore because I'm just like, whoa. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You guys are actively just trying to be, well, this is inconvenience for me and I don't like how this is inconveniencing some of my fan base. I was like, yeah, but like some people are going to be inconvenienced with medical problems for the rest of their life or death. I was like, that's a bit more of an inconvenience. Yeah, yeah. You know? And I was in a situation like this, as you said, um, just people right now fully vaccinated or the people um, maybe being quite on the others, uh, the opposite, uh, quite extreme with uh, strange ideas in mind. And other people just questioning. And I think that is also... Uh, also a good way let's say not question being against it but asking question is like is that still something good but the fact that it's still that um it seems that there is just two positions you know like or something is black or something is white yeah in a situation that is more as you said it's more personal we are living being <laughs> um and and i remember there was these shows in the states a couple of months ago They make this in New York, I suppose. It was a, a, a huge show. And, and online, there was a lot of 
different position about that. You know, I like, hey, come on, if we are in the middle of pandemics or in a, let's say, in a situation we don't know really what's going on and how we have to act. And on the other way, there was people just say, no, just go, f- just, just go for it. For, and it's, for and the it's like, you know, I'm, I mean, I, I'm, I was definitely one of the people who was like, this just seems irresponsible. Like, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm the first one that wants to be, have shows back, but it's like doing a show, like, don't get me wrong. I've, I've, I've been to Tompkins Square Park tons of times. Like I've been to shows there. Like, obviously it's, it's almost impossible to control who really comes and goes mm-hmm. into that park. So like obviously you have a show, tons of people are going to show up, but it's like should you have had that show in the first place? Like yes, I, I agree that you know everyone wants to just kind of relive this normalcy and just like be like yeah we're back to like doing what we can, but it's like are you doing that at the you know threatening the public health of like that neighborhood in Lower East Side? Like don't get me wrong, that neighborhood's become gentrified in the last twenty years. That it's not the same you know, people that were living there now, there still are some people, but like, you know, it's, a lot of it is like yuppies who are now vaccinated or not, you know? So it's like that neighborhood is probably not the most threatened part of New York city mm-hmm. when it comes to, to that. I mean, I could be wrong about that. I haven't been in Tompkins square park now in probably like five, six years. Um, but I was, I was absolutely like, this is an irresponsible thing to do. If it would have been like, you know, if we wouldn't have had, if you and if, like New York state wouldn't have had the vaccination rates that it had at the time and Delta variant, that could have been a bad idea. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm watching like, I, I, I'm obviously a mem- member of like a bunch of like tour crew groups on like the internet. And it's like seeing the amount of breakthrough cases of people that are vaccinated going on right now on us tours is like incredibly concerning. None of these people are getting very sick, which is great because yeah. that you're like, okay, vaccines seem to do something. Yeah, of course. But it's still becoming a public health threat because like it does allow the spread of COVID into like non-vaccinated populations or vulnerable populations, Mm -hmm. you know? And that right there becomes a huge ethical issue. It's like, well, do I put my own financial well-being ahead of someone else's physical and health well-being? It's, it's, the answer is no, I don't put my financial well-being ahead of that, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, I, I have, I have the same ethical considerations right now because I have a U.S. tour about to get announced and we don't know if we should do it. Like, mm-hmm. it there's, there's just like huge thing of like, you know, part of me is like, well, some of the States in America that we're going to are just YOLO and like, there's no rules or anything. So you're just like, okay. But part of it's like, do I want to be part of the problem? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, part of me is like, no, but the other part of me is like, um, I almost get no support from the German state as an immigrant. So I kind of need money, mm-hmm. but I don't need enough money to threaten someone else's existence. Of course, of course. You yeah. know, it just becomes this like, you know, slippery slope was like privilege. I'm privileged. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm a vaccinated person. I was like, I probably won't get COVID. I probably won't die from it. But it's like, does that mean that I have to make someone that I disagree with that isn't vaccinated? Does that mean I have to put them at risk? No. Mm-hmm. The answer is no on that. Absolutely. So it's like, it's, it's made everything way more complicated in terms of stuff. So like when I see situations like that New York show and like some of the bands that are now straight up a- actively advocating against like vaccine passports and stuff or proof of vaccination to, to attend concerts, it's like, cool. 
um, you can do that with your friends. Mm-hmm. I was like, but, you know, I think the idea of you traveling around the planet doing this is absolutely irresponsible. Like doing yeah. that and doing that in your own community, like maybe in like a New York hardcore scene or something. Sure. But like, you know, it's a privilege to be able to travel. If it's a privilege to be able to perform music, you know, these are things that you have to contend with, you know, it's, it's not going to be, it's not going to be easy. It's like, I've, I've seen, I've seen a whole bunch of bands release statements on that. Like, whether they're like, we require vaccinations at shows or bands are like, we're not going to play shows where you, you need proof of vaccination because like they're obviously on polar, polar ends mm-hmm. of the spectrum on things. And you're like, guess what? Um, there's this industry called the insurance industry and uh, they don't play around when it comes to, you know, your feelings of whether you should do something or whether you shouldn't. They give a shit about money. Mm-hmm. right away and if they're like oh i have to pay out a bunch of money to a business that's half failing because like there's too many covid cases going on in it well guess what i'm not going to insure them anymore and the same goes for like festivals and stuff and it's not just with like public health aspects it's also about aspects of you know environmental problems you know festivals are starting to get some crazy weather it's just a matter of time until insurance companies are like no we're jacking up the liability costs for this mm-hmm. you know so it's like that that's cool that you wanna you wanna do shows where, you know, you don't need require vaccination, but it's like cool. Uh, the minute your insurance company finds out about that, they're unfortunately going to pull the plug on you, mm-hmm. and just be like, go find a new insurance company. And then like you know, in states that are heavily regulated, like New York and California, that's not gonna fly. Yeah, you know, and it's the same here in Switzerland. It's the same in Germany. Yeah, so this in the classical business yeah. uh, we were talking before the show. Yeah, uh, huge shows that uh, you normally you can. For all the concert hall, because people want to enjoy that moment or they want to see this artist live. Um, right now, it's it's really hard for them to to take the decision: Are we doing this? Aren't we doing this? Or do we have uh, enough in coming to assure a refund, not just for the tickets, but also for the artist fee and everything? And um, yeah, you from one side you see there is always more happening slowly, but at some times you also have like, uh, yeah. I mean, when you are more inside into this, uh, you know how how is how the two how the two situation are. You know, you see people willing to go and enjoy life again, and and uh, on the other side, you know, you know, yeah. But you need you need to think about that and that, and yeah, it's just. I don't know, kind of, uh, in, in some ways, I, I don't try to, um, to be too negative, but I also try to say that it's interesting right now how this situation, the human situation is, is going. Hopefully, um, I mean, we know how human beings react. <laughs> History tells uh, a lot, but uh, I'm still hoping that, you know, that somewhere will happen this balance, you know, or just this, maybe this also open communication, you know, like, because... Uh, it seems right now, personally, I've struggled a lot uh, to, um, yeah, to, to find this, this, this clear way to see things because uh, sometimes you have like these people telling this, people telling that, but it seems like it's always the opposite and it doesn't seem that it can be like, a terri- where is the, the middle in between, you know, like, or the, the core of the, of the dialogue, where is it, you know, like, and I don't yeah. know, maybe, maybe music will help us also. I mean, 
in the last uh, months also a lot of band produce a lot of good music and hopefully uh, it will also help to you know like <laughs> also giving this relaxing to people <laughs> or, or a chance to to open the mind and yeah in s some ways and a good solution i mean we we live in we you know we live in in societies and communities and everything and it's like i i find like the biggest threat to like all of this whether it's like you know just getting into like too much like amazon buying or whether it's just like you know not caring about anything and becoming apolitical is just the fact that it's like all of this stuff just leads to like atomization where it's like you are in a community but you're not necessarily part of a community it's like you know and the same thing can be said about music it's like oh i can go to shows and i can enjoy the shows and i can i can choose to not be part of the community at all like you know i can just be the the person that goes to a show watches the show doesn't talk to anyone and leaves like i've definitely been that that weirdo kid like when i was younger so it was just like eh, it was just socially awkward you know but you know going and like paying to go to a show and being part of the community and paying to go to a show are are two different things and like i find that that's that's where things get really really weird and really murky now is that people are like, well, I'm part of this community, but it's like, are they really part of the community? Are they like, you know, you, you partake in community activities, but that doesn't mean that you are part of the community. And like that, I think is like a huge problem. It's like, it's also why people don't understand aspects of solidarity. You know, people don't understand why someone that has had, you know, um, not as much social mobility um, privileges can't necessarily do certain things that other people can you know, they, they just don't get it because they're like, well, like, you know, it's, a, it's the bootlicker kind of joke. It's like, well, I can do it. Why can't you? And it's like, you're, you're, you're not really getting into context here. Mm -hmm. You're forgetting about the context, you know, and like that, that's the thing with like community, like hardcore communities and music communities and everything where it's like, it's, it's just like, it's, it's become such a thing that you can just buy into now. You know, I can buy the coolest, you know, Jesus Peace hoodie at, at my work. <laughs> you know, I, I actually have only listened to Jesus Peace once. I'm like, cool, cool band. A lot of kids like them, you know. Does it mean that I know anything about their ethics or anything? Absolutely not. You know, I'm, I'm actually pretty sure that they're probably a pretty cool band, pretty cool people. But, like, the thing is, like, you can just buy into that now. You know, I, you know, obviously in the last year, it's like, it's kind of shown it very clear. It's like, obviously I don't have to even go to a show anymore and I'm still part of this community. I still look the part, mm -hmm. you know, like how fucked up is that? It's like, we've alienated the actual like experience of like, you know, the scene and it still exists. Like that's a weird kind of concept to think about. You know? Yeah. It's the same, almost the same concept we discussed last episode, uh, with the friends and uh, about, uh, these, uh, um, I would say, Producers like the the lead singer of Goldfingers or uh, Travis Barker for Blink One Eighty Two, yeah. but they are producing like single artist. Yeah. Of course, on YouTube in a video, maybe you see they have a band and uh, in, uh, in, in the background. But as I said, in the background, it's not more like we are a band. You have the band experience, like <laughs> meet every week or and everything. No, you have this person that is like one man show. Yeah. 
uh, of Court Court Music and really good produced and I'm really happy that there's still this sound in the air but at the same time it's changed drastically because for me for example uh, being a teenager and be able to play with my friends that was it, the everything you know and I don't know if it's me growing older or something but I'm asking to myself yeah but it seems like it's missing something, you know. It's not that pretty. I'm not criticizing the product or the artist and everything, no. but it seems like it's it's missing like something. And the, and that that's what I, that's what I mean. Like like don't get me wrong. Like people are still thriving to have that community engagement. Like that that actual scene. Like oh, I went to a show. I actually participated in it in some way. And obviously, the last year has like not made it any more easy for people. Like I said, it's like you're able to buy into. You're still able to like be part of the community and be part of the scene. You're still supporting artists, which I think is great. Like I, you know, I, I work at a merch company right now, and it's like I'm I'm stoked to see that like some bands are still able to pay some bills with like the fact that like my work is selling their their merch. You know, at least that. You know, it's like cool. People still like like the shit. People still actually want to be part of this. You know, they don't just need need to listen to it. It's like they still feel an active attachment to it that they, they view it like, I also would like to, you know, show my, uh, you know, appreciation for it by, like, buying a T-shirt or buying a record. I'm like, sick. You know, because obviously that's that's what's been keeping me employed for the last year. You know, I'm, I'm, I feel super lucky that, like, I got just a random job from a friend of mine, you know, that is at least in the music industry. I'm not, you know, working at, like, Amazon, like, I do kind of the same thing as working at Amazon, but at least I work in like music, you know, but it's, it's that part that is like, it, it alienates people. It's just the aspect. It's like, you can just buy into it still. And like, that's the part that I find really, really, really weird. Like, don't get me wrong. I've, I've thought this since I was a kid, since I was like, wait, why do we have like a million types of t-shirts? Like, you know, it's like, we are obviously placating to, to capitalism to like, you know, you need to have choice. You need to be able to like, you know, this one is like, the joke is like, you know, when bands went on tour like 20 years ago, they're like, oh, we had like one t-shirt design and we only had medium and large and that's it, you know? Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong, that's that's part of it being like, oh, I actually want to include other people that would buy my merch, but it's also it's like, oh, I also want to sell stuff. You know, it's like, we all want to be productive in, in ways and whether that's selling merch and making music or like, you know, going to your job that you, you know, I don't know, do data entry. It's like, it's, it's all trying to be productive in some way to do something else, you know? So, cause we get enjoyment out of either what we do or what we can buy with what we've gotten, you know? And it's just this shitty aspect of capitalism that just keeps on, you know, making you need to do that. Like, you know, you have to play the rat race. It's, it's, it's almost impossible to, to exist outside of it. It's like, obviously a lot of people are pushing to reform capitalism. And it's like, Sure, but that's not going to solve all the problems, and you're just going to make the suffering for some people just extended. Mm-hmm. You're just making you're prolonging the problem, you know. And it's like, do I have the answers to any of this? Fuck no. You know, I'm 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 here just trying to like pay my bills just like anyone else. Like I, I you know, I'm privileged where I was like, oh, the band I work for is doing three shows in in July and August that like I can go to Switzerland, you know, and the travel restrictions aren't like too onerous to like show up, but it's like, I still have to go home and go pay my bills until like I can go back to like touring. And I view that it's safe for everyone else and safe for like my community. You know, my community is not just like me and like my band or like me and 
the LGBTQ community in Berlin or, you know, Berlin as a whole. It's like, no, it's just like in general, like, you know, we live in a globalized world. It's like, I don't want to be putting other people at risk. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to be threatening people's existence just from my wanting to enjoy something, you know, and that's what it comes back to. Yeah, this is a crazy world and I'm happy that we have the chance to sit here in Basel and <laughs> meet again and talk in the podcast, but also talk face to face because uh, it's something that uh, still to me as Shanti is really important, something that I really missed and I'm missing working. I, I work from Basel, my colleagues from Bern, you know, we can, if there is a question, just phone calls or Skyping, it's not the same, no. you know, it always seems like uh, that you are, every time I call, it seems like I'm bothering my colleagues at work, but you know, like <laughs> this is the new reality. And well, I have to be honest, I'm really happy that we had the chance to record together this episode because uh, you're a person that since I met you, uh, always inspired me a lot, motivates me a lot. I've learned, already a lot from you and sharing these words this this time together it's always makes me put me a smile on my face and i'm happy now i'm really motivated for other things and so thank you very much to be here uh with me in the podcast and um i really hope also that the audience will uh, also have another point of view on different topics belonging to the music scene we were especially talking about uh the the, the scene we are into that is uh, art music parkour metal but of course, um, as uh, said in the other episode, what we talk in this podcast can re- you can relate it in a, all kind of scene. Music is wonderful for that. It's different colors, different uh, point of views, and so definitely hyped for uh, this this episode. And thank you very much to be my guest. Cool. Thanks for having me. I was glad, more more than glad, we could do it in person. Check this out. I couldn't help but propose a song by the Italian metalcore band Total Recall. You absolutely have to go and check it out their merchandising online with amazing graphics. Don't sleep on it. This is Knives Cut Brain. Your life, 
Oh, no.